Monday afternoon, we're going to talk about uh, the Green Bay-Tampa Bay game, Battle of the Bays, uh, as we like to call it, and the game that it absolutely overshadowed, the Jets dumpster fire that rages on every Sunday, uh, somehow on a TV near you. Uh, Also, going to talk about Rams, Niners, and Debo Samuel, Mike Vrabel's clock management, uh, are the Bears the best defense in the NFL, and uh, a Sam Darnold trade that might be cooking. Um, Stay tuned. Happiest of Mondays to everybody out there. Hope you're having a great Monday. It's the afternoon at this point when you hear us drop in these jewels. Uh, it is currently midday Monday, and I had a pretty good weekend. How about you, Make? Oh, I'd say it was up and down. Up and down. Yeah, as are most days, you know. I had five kids in my house. All yours? Nah, uh, two of them mine, three of them my uh nieces and nephews jits on jits jits on jits on jits and if you ever want to shut down a conversation about having another kid just invite a bunch of kids into the house Mm -hmm. not that meg and i are having that conversation uh lord knows we waited long enough to have the first one yeah ages spanning ages spanning uh one and a half to five years old essentially Yeah, bro. And right now, you got to consider that these kids are a lot like us. They haven't had a chance to socialize over the last six months. I would imagine House of Five Jits atmosphere a lot like our first day at the bar whenever it's safe, whenever we deem it safe to go get drunk at at an establishment after midnight. Like, no social skills, just screaming at each other. Real touchy-feely, not that, you know, we might be doing a lot of hugging and that sort of thing because we haven't seen each other for some time. That's what it's going to be like when they open this shit back up for adults. Defecating everywhere. <laughs> just shitting. Just people shitting in their pants at the bar. Don't know how to act. Haven't seen people in months. These kids hadn't seen kids in months. Um, really, for the most part. And I survived. I survived five kids in the domicile this weekend. Uh, so shout out to me there. Also... We had, this is one of the highs of the weekend, a really productive Waterboys and Chris Long Foundation virtual event. We went virtual here in Charlottesville, Virginia, and I brought my co-host along to to help me get through it. I was honored to be included. Uh, Really great cause, waterboys.org. Thanks to everybody who popped into the virtual event and raised money, and thank you again for the plug, because I'm not good at plugging myself there. Uh, 30k plus is what i heard i heard 6.5 million well people, oh yeah people dollar bills thanks to james laronitis 30k plus i mean my man stepped up to the plate not only did a q a but I- i'm being serious for a second some friends you play with are lifelong friends uh, you know they're not just teammates and you know they, they they assume that role throughout life in different forms and fashions and james laronitis who been through a lot the past few weeks lost his pops who was a wonderful man um and would greet us after home games in st louis every week with a big bear hug and a smile 
listen, the dude on three days notice with everything he has going on, stepped up to the plate, showed up, and then paid the rest of the check essentially for one well, one large solar powered well that we're gonna be implementing in Tanzania. Um, shout out also to the Glass Rose Films uh, Nova kids that made a wonderful documentary that we were able to show. There was, there was a hiccup. So like as we're getting ready to, to go live. Um, live. Yeah, like live. Fuck it, we'll do it live. Yeah, like, yeah, like that. Nicole Woody, who uh, did a wonderful job of throwing this thing together, as always, uh, she is uh, the head of my foundation, is three feet away from us. Well, six feet away from us, let's be real. Yeah. She was probably, she was over there. She's about eight. That's a good six. That's eight, maybe. I have, when I try to picture six, I picture lying down. Yeah, I just picture me laying down with my head touch you. Right. And yeah. then I take away four inches because I'm six, six foot nice. four. Nice. I like that. Yeah. Shameless plug. You're good at plugging yourself. So, Nicole's sitting right over there and she's talking to the six and a half million people who are on the Zoom uh, chat and she's, get, you know, everybody take your seats, kind of like you would at a theater. It's getting quiet. The pros here, because we do podcasts, it's not a big deal. It's a Zoom event. We can tell Reed in this setting, Roxanne, and he knows to cut. Roxanne is our new code word for cuts. Like, we do a lot of off the cuff here. Roxanne... Is the is it's the safe word in essence? Get that content read. out Get of the pod. Get that pie. content, that shitty content that we just rolled the ball out there. Except for right now, Reed. These Roxans don't count. Yeah, we, these, these are, we're just talking about Roxanne. This is not a cut. But we we're kind of like in this safe space where we think everything we say, Cowboy Reed will make it go away if it doesn't work out. And then this is what happened. Any comments you can type in the chat box. Um, you can also type your questions for the Q&A later with James Laurinaitis and Kyle Guy or Making and Chris in the Q&A box. <laughs> we'll get started in just a minute. Did y'all hear that, uh, that puke sound? So I get home and my mom texts me and says, who vomited before the, the virtual event today? Uh, it actually went like this. I told my lovely wife Meg a hilarious story about how I reached down to get my laptop and made an exaggerated my back hurts and my neck hurts noise, which sounded like a vomit sound. Do it. Do the sound. Ugh. Yeah. Like that's the noise I make whenever I bend down to get something. And then, and then yeah. And, and then, then I, Meg's like, that was you? Your mom like was hitting me up today and the big mystery is who puked on the on the on the Zoom call. Right. So nobody could see us. It was just a holding screen at eleven AM for three minutes until we popped onto the screen. <laughs> and the problem is we can get we can catch a case of the giggles at times. Yeah, yeah. And you do your little barf hiccup and then I hear it in my ears. So then I think it went over and yep. indeed it did. And then I can't stop laughing. You're having a big silent laugh. I start coughing, which is another somebody's got COVID. Good look on a virtual yeah. charitable yeah. event. It was uh, it 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 was almost we a got really it done though. Start. We got it done though. Uh, shout out to everybody who who uh, who rolled up and and enjoyed our uh, our virtual event Saturday. Also, little tease here. Friday, 
we're gonna eat some Lucky Charms ice cream. Mm. The people really, the people have spoken. They enjoyed that stone mailbag last week. By the way, the idea of the stone mailbag is: I make you leave. We put the rest of the pod in place so it's ready to roll out in the morning. And as we're editing, I do I do a candy. And I let that candy kind of absorb. And for people at home who don't know edibles, that takes an hour or two, maybe, depending on what you've eaten, your metabolism, all that. Fats help. Avocados, nuts, that sort of thing. They help it kick in faster. There's a word for it. I'm not sure about it. But I'm up here um, talking about Lucky Charms, and my eyes are closing, and... <laughs> Le'Veon Bell to the Chiefs. <laughs> So I got I got to stop Stone Mailbag and uh, and address the biggest NFL news off the top to put it at the front of the pod. You got to be careful with the timing on Stone Mailbag. News news happens all the time in the NFL. We will be eating Lucky Charms on Friday in ice cream. I don't know about we. I'm talking about the Royal We. I'm going to be eating a, at least a pint, and uh, and I'll probably do it during the pod, and I'll let you know how that actually tastes. I don't eat ice cream before 9 p.m. And I, I eat plenty of it after 9 p.m. Dumb rule, because you don't move around after 9 p.m. Yeah, it but just I, sits. I don't eat it after 10 p.m. There's a window. Okay. Uh, baseball, last night, because we do all the sports. Um, I'll sum it up in three words. Atlanta team collapsed. Which is, uh, it's a headline that you can just recycle if you're the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. I can't. I couldn't. And I can't. It just doesn't grab me, Baseball. Chris. Yeah, generally speaking. I did go to the trouble of getting on to the correct channel for the 8th and 9th after the football game had, had ended. Some website claimed 9.4 million viewers for Sunday Night Football, which wasn't really a close game for the most part, and 6.4 million for the NLCS Game 7. Also, we know baseball is, well, basketball is king in LA. Baseball is like, the queen and football's like the jester. Right. So that's a bad sign for people saying go woke, go broke with the NFL, the whole tired look at the ratings, but I'm not going to look at the hockey ratings being down, but I am going to look at the NBA ratings being down. Let's just pick the leagues with the most black guys and say that the ratings are struggling because they're too woke. That's 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 my favorite uh narrative right now. Except the lowly Niners and the kind of up and down Rams, we can talk about that. They swept the NFC East and they're 0-2 outside it. They commanded more viewership than, uh, than the Game 7 ballgame in you baseball know, last night. Do you know who is sweet? Who's sweet? Mookie. Mookie, is he a baseball player? Yeah, Mookie Betts plays for the Dodgers. Where's number 50? Yeah. Swaggy. I know, he, awesome. I, I've heard he's sweet. Yeah. You know who else is sweet? Uh, Cody Bellinger, and he hit a dinger to put his squad up and essentially send them to the big show. And he pimped it, man. He was walking like a wrestler down to first base. Which is great. It's great. I just never understand the baseball and written rules. It seems as though they've been been laxed. Good, good, because they're stupid. I'm so over it. In their version of the bubble. Don't let the guy hit a home run. You don't right. want to see him walk like a wrestler to first. And when you strike him out, go buck wild. Go crazy. Like the dude from uh, the, it was the San Francisco team, the Giants. He Way used to back? Go, Madison Bumgardner. 
he used to go ape shit after he threw a, a strikeout and then would whine about every guy that literally looked at the ball when they hit like a 500 yard di- or 500 foot dinger. Who was that closer for a couple years who dyed all his hair black and was and was Yeah, that guy was pretty fun Giants, for a while. Yeah. That guy was fun for a while. On purpose, I'm not going to look it up because yeah. baseball doesn't deserve that. Nah. I guess baseball must be really woke right now. I must have missed all the protests. That that must be what was driving right. the viewership down. Same with hockey. Brian, Brian. Brian Wilson. Total Brian move. Just dye everything black. Yeah. Um, John Smoltz had a soundbite last night that I didn't mind, uh, and I want to tee this up for you. I want someone to develop an app for all the second-guessers and the know-it-alls that are in our world so that they can click time you know, timestamp it. This is what I would do. Okay, eh, wrong. Or, okay, you were right. But all the guys that, all the people that can talk about after the word, words, what they would do. So somebody out there, I know somebody's smart enough, get an app so that we can get all the second guessers and armchair quarterbacks to tell you step by step. So he's getting crushed on Twitter. Off on announcing, picked it up and was like, you're talking about Twitter, aren't you, John? I see where John's going with this. And of course, Twitter would ironically bash him for having a decent idea. Like, Twitter is just a hellhole. John just couldn't get the words out. I think what he meant to say was kind of like a fact checker, like a better business bureau of sports media members. Like, okay, you called the Browns going to the playoffs. Maybe they do. Time stamped. But that should be time stamped and it should go on your record so that when people look you up, you have like a, a grade that corresponds with um, the entirety of your your take catalog. Um, and things could be classified as accurate synopses, which would be weighed less or differently than a prediction. I think that I think we're on to something here, John Smoltz. Yeah, 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 yeah. Twitter doesn't have that edit function, so there is there is some validity to the argument that hey, people are putting out their takes on the Twitter website. But you're selective no with your tally. takes. You're selective with your takes. There should be almost be a NFL spreadsheet that goes out to NFL media members, and to be verified by this third party organization, you have to fill it out. You can't you can't run from certain predictions you have to make a call and you're graded on that and to join this elite group it's like another check it's not a blue check it's like a green check or something you have to make your picks you can't and it could be reflected in your your score if you if you shirk your responsibilities selectively and say i don't want to pick that game yeah i think i think i think smoltz is on to something also i think smoltz has the most different voice uh based on face of all time oh really yeah i never thought he'd sound like that yeah nah that's what john smoltz sounds like this one's got a ring to it knowing you're a giants fan uh let's shout out dave gettleman in the giants personnel department shall we let's not but you might want to because although deandre baker's gone Mm -hmm. danny dimes is mediocre at this point Andrew Thomas was benched, but it was for disciplinary reasons, which is not good when, you know, a month into the season, there's a bunch of guys that seem to be outplaying you. To be fair, um, kind of a tough situation to play well in. 
but they are playing chess, not checkers, and I'll tell you why, Macon. Uh, the dude who scooped and scored. Tay Crowder. Tay Crowder. Georgia Bulldog. Georgia Bulldog. Um, he put the league on notice yesterday on account of the Giants personnel department. The Giants won yesterday thanks to him, the last player drafted, okay? That's some fucking value right there. That's Mr. Irrelevant if you haven't heard the old adage. Um, or is that an adage? Mr. Irrelevant? Yeah. Yeah, I wouldn't call that an it's adage. a moniker? Yeah. More of a moniker. That's right. <laughs> so all the other teams made their picks, hundreds before this cat, and the other guys picked before him have to be sick because I know the graphic's coming. You know, you took this guy before Crowder, you took this. Is anybody else responsible for a, 100% of a team's wins? Any other rookie, 100% of a team's wins. What's his name? Crowder? Tay Crowder. Tay Crowder. Don't forget the name. Here's the crazy part. He knew he'd be the guy responsible. They knew he'd be the guy responsible for 100% of their win total at this point. And they waited for him. They deserve a lot of credit. It reminds me of the Brady thing. I mean, you talk about a poker face. They knew it. They had their guy, but they didn't have to reach. They didn't have to reach. They learned their lesson from Daniel Jones. Don't reach. Wait. He'll be there. And they got him in the Mr. Irrelevant spot, and now they have a win. Which sucks. And I can't stand the Washington team. I've never been able to my entire life. That part feels good for a split second until you you think about, oh, great, this is another 4-12 and freaking season. You're going to be picking sixth. And, a lot of options there. And your guy, Dave Gettleman, is going to be making the pick. It stinks. <sighs> I want one, Chris. Shout out to them. Also, shout out to David Vabora. It's always hard to say that name. David Vabora. It looks like I had no trouble with it. Yeah, but you don't talk a lot here. So like when you talk, I expect you're talking to be perfect. I say like a thousand words in a podcast. And I said it looks like I'd rather have said it sounds like. Yeah, you, no you said it. Mike Vrabel, the clock god. Did you see this? He went Belichick on the clock again? Yeah, so Houston up 30 to 29 with 340 to go. Nine yards uh, is what they got on first down. So they have second and one. And with like 315 to go, the camera caught Vrabel sending in a 12th man. And of course, the dudes on the field are like, nah. And he's like, just walk. And he sends the dude out there. There's 12 people. They don't call it right away. They call it at the snap. Flag flies. Announcers are like, what's he doing? Uh, this is a big mistake. But then you remember that he's done this before when he fucked with the Pats last year uh, as far as you know, manipulating the clock with delay of games and such. Two years ago, um, it was astutely pointed out that, not by me, of course, because I'm not that smart, that the, the Jets did this, uh, or he did this against the Jets as well. Uh, so this is a thing, and I actually like this, and it probably might lead to a rule change, a lot like the, the Patriots wrinkle did last season. Needs to. Yeah, it needs to. It's a major loophole, but while it's here, you got to take advantage of it. And I like the move because... Uh, it does save time, and at that point, you are trading uh, time for downs. Downs are not important in that situation, especially in second and one, um, which I'm a big, 
I know some people aren't, but like when you're trailing late and you need the ball back and they're milking the clock in the red zone, I'm a big proponent of letting them score. You are? If need be, of course. Yeah, I'm a big proponent. I'm an even bigger proponent of the down 10 as soon as I'm in field goal range, kick the field goal. I am too. Yep. I'm so glad you said that. I know some people listening are barfing. Right. Uh, but it makes so much sense. There's nothing more annoying than getting in the red zone, spending six minutes in the high red, and then kicking a field goal. Just do it. Just do it earlier, right? Uh, another thing came up with Mina Kimes last night, you know, your favorite uh, take from Mina, that you should just asinine. <laughs> we love Mina Kimes. Love Mina. I mean, she's she's wall of fame for me as far as media members are concerned currently. This analytic she's batting, is wall of shame. This Well, you know, and this is, of course, a very subjective deal here for us, and she would probably cite numbers and real real trends, and that's great. But I'm just telling you, down in my gut as a football player, and it came up last night with the Rams and the Niners, where they save, they're down two scores, they're down 15, they score, they kick the field goal. They save the two-pointer for when it matters. It's 24 to 15. You want to kick the extra point and be down eight, one score, and a two-pointer? Yep. Or do you want to roll the dice and go for two just so you know? Just so you know what you're going to have to do? Fuck out of here, everybody. (laughs) That's so stupid. You can't, no, no amount of math is going to convince me of this. I can't wait till we have her on to have this discussion it's so dumb. in real life. And, and old man Al Michaels was, was with me on that, on that train last night. Is that the best guy to be with you? No. When it comes to like, if you're arguing with somebody in the analytics circle, you're like, well, Al Michaels thought. For sure not, but. I thought we didn't like Al because of the mask. So the guy that won't wear a mask and complains about masks the entire broadcast now agrees with you and you're happy about that. Well, I'm, uh, hey, there needs to be a common sense component to, to all these digits. And also, two-point conversions were hot yesterday. They were like. Hot in the streets. They were like Hansel. They're so hot right now. Two for four, the Eagles went, luckily. Um, Jake Elliott just chilling. Jake Elliott just collecting dust. Two-point conversion for Washington to try to win the game, right? Um, Do you like that? I don't hate it because you're not a good football team. But then that calls into question, you're really trying to win games right now? Or? Or is that a bad call and you're trying to lose games? I don't know. Uh, Vikings also went two for two. Uh, But the Romeo Cornell call um he goes for two leading tennessee by seven with 153 left i'm gonna duck here because i don't know what the internet's saying but i don't hate it i like it yeah i don't hate it especially if you're one and four put them away and it's not like you're up six you're up seven yeah i got a better idea than than getting mad at romeo cannell about this thing like stop him on defense Stop Derrick Henry. Which isn't going to happen, so go for two and win the game. Yeah. Or else they're going to go down and score, and they're probably going to attempt an extra point, which they did, and yep. it went to overtime, and you lost the, the, the toss. Now, here's the deal. Derrick Henry uh, ripped off a 94-yarder yesterday, and there's I, there, I don't have a segue for this, but I, the, when the biggest guy on the field who's eligible to touch the football goes 94 yards, something's broken. Like, the game is just... Take the cartridge out and blow on it. It makes no sense. It makes no sense. Um, 
But I think that call made a lot of sense. I mean, if I'm on defense and I see them trot back out to go for the two-point conversion in that situation, and we're not talking about six to eight, we're talking about seven to nine, it's terrifying for me. And you can say that's a bad mentality as a player. I don't think so. Because as a player, you can only control what you can control. It takes 11 guys to be perfect, to not yield two points in that situation. All it takes is one guy. And that's what you're betting on all day long. And in that situation, I would be terrified. Shouts out to Debo Samuel. Listen, dude, I want to level with you. I don't love your team. I love some players on your team. Used to be a rival of ours. Uh, but I'm not letting that cloud my judgment of your squad. I just think, I just don't think you guys are going to the playoffs. It's not personal. Uh, I was wrong about the Rams last night. And to the bitter end, I was up watching the game and I, I stayed up for nothing because of Debo Samuel. He ran through a motherfucker face, as, as Marshawn would say, last night on third and seven with the game on the line, essentially, because I think the Rams go score. I don't know if they get two, but I think they go score. There was plenty of time and they were moving the ball well. So Debo Samuel made me stay up too late, made me look like an idiot on my podcast, and cost me money. Three units he cost me. Mm. Three units. I was up a lot of units thanks to our troops, the midshipmen, support the troops, and uh, the Bears and the Steelers. was heavy on those. But to stay up late, to look like an idiot on my own podcast, and uh, to be costed money, I couldn't pick a better guy to, to drive the nail in the coffin than Debo Samuel. Love watching him play. Um, I do, I do want to take a, a moment to remind Debo Samuel if he is a friend of the program somehow or this gets back to him that we, 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 did, we did beat them in the Continental, Continental Tire Bowl 28 to, to nothing. 28-0. Yeah. You remember Debo's line in that game? I don't. He sat out to get ready for the NFL draft. <sighs> Another win for Debo. <laughs> Fuck. I thought we had you. Hey, shout out to Vegas for clearly predicting this Niners win a week ago. I texted you a week ago. Hey, this line is stinky. stinky. We both just like, and all week, I tried to rationalize it and I was like, you know what? I'm not going to let Vegas scare me. Right. That's what Vegas does. It makes you just think bullies. twice. Vegas is a bully. I, uh, I I went the same way. I was like, nah, everybody's going to be on the Niners because it stinks. Yep. We're going to zag. They were on the Niners for a reason. I guess they realized that Cooper Cup would drop a ball in the end zone, uh, that they would have multiple miscues. You know, Co- Cooper Cup, who's usually automatic, gets turned around on a deep ball that's right over his head. And just opportunities like that cost them all night long. And then the the, the defense really, for me, you know you have to do one thing to beat that team with Jimmy, who just got pulled in the second half last week, who's got a high ankle, and Chris Collinsworth is zooming in and isoing on one throw last week. Well, this throw, you know, he's not doing that with his ankle, and watch this six-yard out that he looks much more stable. Disregard the fact that the throw last week uh, was for 45. Um, I, uh, I'm sure he feels better a week later, but the bottom line is, you look at his stat line, that's not indicative of what they were asking him to do. I mean, he didn't have to make big throws last night. You knew George Kittle was a safety valve. They were going to run gadgets. They were going to get you moving sideways. They were going to create extra extra gaps. 
Um, and you know that they're going to try to run the ball up their ass. Mostert was, was a horse. Oh my gosh, I feel terrible because one of the guys, and we, we said this, it can happen to the best of us. Micah Kaiser, uh, yeah, got baptized. Our guy who's been balling. It happens. Also, face mask offense. Probably a face mask. But here's the the real issue with with Mostert running through people all last night. We have been so desensitized. A guy like Micah Kaiser or anybody that got stiff arm last night is just really blessed that Josh Norman exists. You know what I mean? Like, we are totally desensitized. I will say this. Just a terrific job of coaching by that team. I think they're a tremendously coached football team. I've just had issues with some of their personnel and the injuries. Do I think they're going to the playoffs? I still don't. And I'll keep saying it because all pub is good pub. And when they they go to the playoffs and everybody puts me on the stupid list, um, at least people will be like, oh, that guy has a podcast? Yeah. You know, like, uh, Salah did a great job. The corners played great. The Rams made too many mistakes, and Jimmy Statline looked way better than what, what they asked him to do because the Rams had to stop the run and the quick game, and they couldn't do it. They felt like they were behind on second and third down all game, like third and longs and that sort of thing. Like, I'd have to go back. I'm sure somebody would check the stats. There's only so much time in a day. But uh, needless to say, the game plan worked perfectly, and you didn't hear a lot from Aaron Donald because when you have to worry about getting doubled and triple teamed and the quick passes and the hard zone action – you're never attacking, and they're a well-coached football team. So shout out to Debo and the, uh, the Niners. I was wrong. I'll holler at Doc Emmerich. He's retiring. He's the best play-by-play guy there is. Hockey fella. Yeah, hockey. Doesn't Unf- take a breath. Unfortunately. Three periods. Unfortunately, nobody watched the Stanley Cup playoffs this week because I heard a bunch of, or this year because a bunch of players were protesting. So it sucks that he had to go out that way. Hey, if you go woke, you go broke. That's what they say. Woke, broke. Rhymes also doesn't have to be true. Love you, Doc. Did you see the fucking house LeBron James just bought? No. Love houses. A lot of chickens. Here's what we should do. Can you pull that up? Yeah. And uh, and we'll we'll have you we'll have you kind of list that house for us on the spot. I typed in LeBron James new hours. <laughs> I do want to shout out while you find it. Shouts out to the Liberty Cuckolds. Uh, this is my fantasy ball club. Zero and five. I'm not even gonna like try to act like I know what the fuck I'm doing. I don't. Then when I think I do, I really don't. Um, you know, I could have complained and said we were snake bit last week when Ridley posted a goose egg uh, to send me to 0-5. I mean, I needed like 14 points, 10 points. He went for nothing, zero, 0-5. This week has been absolute bullshit. I'm up 10 points, but let me lay the, uh, the scene here. Set the scene. Juju for two and a half points, okay? Fitzpatrick plays too good in the first half. He plays so good, 22 points in the first half, that he plays himself into a situation where they're running the football and Tua comes in at the end, not to mention the insane interception that we saw in the Jets game. Did you see that? Yep. That, I mean, there was skill involved there, but there's luck too. That was a lie. I mean, and, and, and Fitzy is fucked because of that, and I'm fucked because of that, and I might end up on a billboard because of stuff like this. I am going to be on a Marks and Harrison looking ass billboard 
on 29 North outside of Charlottesville. I am 0-5, and if I don't get some great play tonight from Clyde Edwards Elair, whose hair should be on fire because of the Le'Veon Bell signing, I might be fucked. Let me tell you what's going on. Not to mention, Godwin and Parker's teams played too good yesterday, so they weren't throwing the football. Thought they'd have big days. Uh, I, I'm up eight, and I've got Greg Zerline and Clyde. And he's got Kelsey and Edmonds. And Edmonds is a guy who's emerging as the main option in Arizona. You're projected to win by eight points. Your win probability is 63%. It's more than half, but I don't feel good about it. It is more than half. That is more than half. Hey, I'll shoot you straight. You're not very good at this at all. Yeah, no. Um, I would pick real. I would pick this rather than the inverse, though. Being good at it? Being good at it. No, I would, I would, I would pick being good at real football and not good at fantasy football over the you know what I mean yeah it's worked out good yeah can I take a piss break sure golly I'm hydrated today can I tell you something you know what sucks meeting fans in bathrooms Magic Johnson and I had this experience oh you did meet Magic Johnson I reckon I was playing the role of fan yeah probably unless he's friend of the program but this was like 2013 so do tell uh he was weighing and i came in after he had started up and i was like wow magic johnson not (laughs) 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 look magic johnson goes bathroom (laughs) then he leaves I followed him. Not I. I followed him peeing. I didn't follow him. Well, I did actually follow him afterwards. We. Uh, all right. Sounds to me like you checked his dick out and then followed him <laughs> in the hallway. I was. I. I didn't. I, I didn't. It was not a side by side situation. But you didn't stop him. It was a weight situation. You got the picture, but on the floor. Uh, yeah, MSG outside the ba- just way know, outside yeah, the just bathroom. Just know minutes you're, later. If you're a fan, don't even go from the for the elbow or the knocks in the bathroom. No, wouldn't have dreamed of it. It's like if you're a fan and you meet your favorite athlete in the bathroom, just chalk it up as bad luck because there's no good play there. There's no good play, and and <laughs> what? What? You're pointing at. <laughs> Pissed on my, on my, on my intimidator sandals. He peed I, on his sandals. I was in a rush. <laughs> There's a drop of, of, of piss on my Dale Earnhardt sandals that I bought from NASCAR to positively reinforce the banning of the Confederate flag. It's the only merchandise that I uh, positively reinforce that move with. That's a big drop. I shouldn't be forced to work in these hazardous conditions. It'll dry. I got socks on with my sandals for those of y'all wondering. I saw Magic Johnson I was in, in a, a bathroom. The content can't wait. And I thought, wow, Magic Johnson. <laughs> he was in the urinal. Yeah. I was pissing right next to him. Nah, I was waiting. I mean, that'd be the most awkward thing to say. Hey. Hey, Magic Johnson. Hey, Magic Johnson. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> we were talking about fantasy football. My club, uh, the Houses, yeah, is going to go to five and one this evening. Good for you. As long as Ditka's stiffies don't go off, 
Ditka's Stiffies featuring uh, this evening Zeke Elliott. And I've got Kyler, the creator. I'm in fine shape. I'll go to five and one. How about um, a trade proposal? Yeah, sure. Perhaps the first ever fantasy football live trade proposal. I can guarantee everyone listening uh, there's no uh, terms have not been discussed to this point. No. I got your boy on my squad, though. Don't even know how trades work in fantasy football. If you agree, we'll, we'll, we'll consummate the trade and it'll go through. A new player will be on your team. I've got a receiver. I, you mentioned Juju, two yeah. catches for six mm-hmm. yards. I got Concerning. a guy. I got a guy who has scored in the last three weeks. Mm. Each of the last three weeks, put up fantasy points of thirteen point seven, thirty one point two, nineteen point five. Well, let's talk turkey. To boot, he's one of your guys. Goes by the name of Travis Fulgham. Man, listen, I know what you're doing here. I'd be willing to send you Travis Fulgham and a Denver Broncos running back to take a chance on Juju coming back to form. You doing the buy low thing? Well, for sure. Um, listen. You want to hold on to two for six? Be my guest. You're zero and five and a half. When does this trade go away? When when does it expire? When are you taking the the, the offer off? Midnight. Table? Midnight. Yeah. Fulgham can't help me on the field tonight. Correct. Which is fucked because these are just Fulgham played Sunday. I know. I know. But what I'm saying, yeah, it's a joke. It's a bit. Oh God. Yes. It. He can't. He can't fly to the facility and play for us tonight. Right. Okay. So, I get till midnight tonight. Yep. Okay, I'll be sure to... You can take Philip Lindsay or Melvin Gordon with Fulgham. I'll I'll take Juju off your hands. for the listeners, get in the... um, Tweet at me and tell me if this is a good idea or not. I don't want it to go to the... I don't want it to go to the the comments section under the podcast because he reads that a lot. He's obsessed with... I'm not obsessed. The folks have been nicer, and it's it's really made a positive impact on my life. Well, I it's, think you've positively impacted the the pod. It's great having you. Thank you. I appreciate yeah, that. Thank I, you. I don't know about that. Uh, so yeah, we'll see what happens to the cuckolds tonight. Um, let's talk about some real football, shall we? Green Bay, Tampa Bay, the Two Battle bays. of the Bays. That's right. That's right. That's right. When you're right, you're right, and you're right. Also, very windy in uh, in Tampa Bay yesterday. You saw the, the ref's little uh, squishy pants <laughs> flying around. You saw like all the the gusts, and I was kind of wondering because I saw one of those. We talked about this. The charts. I saw one of these charts that somebody retweeted this weekend, where people are sitting at the table and it's like an outline of people, so it's computer generated, and they're just barfing viral loads on each other and it signifies a conversation. Just show you maybe you shouldn't sit at a four-person table with four people. Ever. Ever. Um, and this is what happens indoor and the people are just projectile vomiting little blue dots onto each other and they're just having a conversation like you and me. Right. Um, how do you think the wind affects that in a stadium? I think the wind would take a viral load in the direction the wind was blowing. So the, if there's a westerly wind, the folks on the west side of the stadium are just taking loads to the face. That was just a, an aside. There was a football game. Um, and Joe and Troy put this, this really well. Uh, and it's something we've talked about before when it, as it pertains to Tampa and everybody panicked after week one and, and even last week. Um, well, number one, you can't read in the first month of the season this year too much. I think there's some teams you can make determinations on but there's some that you just you're gonna have to say incomplete um and this would be one uh 
they have to like where they are because the Saints, to me, even though they pulled off the comeback last Monday night, they look very human. And the Bucks are rounding into form after this like de facto preseason, and they look really good. And by the way, one more reminder that Joe Buck got pulled from a World Series game, basically. It's not World Series, game seven of the NLCS for a regular season football game, week five, with no fans in the stands. And I know the quarterback thing, but again, the build up to this, I mean, fans were salivating, and it turned out to be kind of a, just a blowout. Um, it was never a tight ball game. It was a tight ball game for like three minutes. I mean, it was 10 nothing, and at first you're thinking, oh no, the wheels are falling off here. It could get ugly. Uh, we've been right about this lately, uh, that, you know, Aaron's the best player in the league and Green Bay's unbeatable. Who can beat him in the NFC period? Um, which is ironic because before the season, if you looked at these two camps individually, one team was bracing for an implosion because of the draft and because of Jordan Love, who, by the way, didn't see the field yesterday, even in a blowout. The number two came in. Um, and the other camp, who is essentially the next dream team. We just ordained them this. And then the scripts flip a, a month in, and now they've flipped again, right? So how do we react to this? I, I wouldn't place too much of an emphasis on it, especially because when you look at it from a, from a matchup standpoint, these teams might see each other again, Okay. What I mean to say is it could go totally different next time. That's the way these things are. 2018, I was on a Philly team that got beat like 48 to seven in New Orleans. Uh, we went down there in the playoffs and, and got after them for a while and lost a tight ball game, low scoring tight ball game. Things were totally different. And now you say, well, the quarterbacks were different. Offensive output wasn't much different. Defense played better. And so these things change and you just have to take, take into account variables through the, through the year. and. There are things like pick sixes that you can't get back. And they, they change your the odds of winning a football game. Not that seven points was the difference, but those things become really hard to overcome. The biggest thing for me, and there's a way it's about Green Bay, I'll get to that in a second, but there's a really clear way that it's about Tampa. And that was that 10 days ago, well not 10 days ago, how many days ago was, uh, yeah, 11 days ago, we watched Tampa kind of implode and piss down their legs in a very un-Tom Brady, piss on their Dale Earnhardt slides um, unintentionally. They, they, they imploded, especially on that one drive that we've talked about on the pod here, the Jensen penalty, the third and 30 or whatever it was, the pressures, Mac kind of just breathing on Tom Brady for off and on for 60 minutes, just towering over him like on the ground, like those were the images that were burnt into our brains, including Tom Brady yelling at a guy. Oh my God, he yelled at a guy, yelled at a guy. So Brady's been in the crosshairs. The Bucks have been in the crosshairs. People are like, is Brady panicked? Are the, are the Bucks bad? We said last week, this is a team that has a major road ahead of them where they're gonna have to put together more victories like this, where they don't, where they don't commit penalties, you know, like, the penalties weren't a problem yesterday. I don't think they had one, did they? They didn't make those dumb plays they made last week. 
Tom wasn't under duress as much. Uh, it looked like a vintage Tom Brady team. There was a moment in the third, the first possession, you get the run game going. Ronald Jones is denting them. Mm. He is. Rojo. Rojo's awesome. You can count on that guy. You can. Uh, maybe not to catch the ball out of the backfield. That's one thing they got to work on. Just 100-yard rushing Pounding games. people, though. Um, zero penalties for zero yards. Zero penalties for, for zero yards. There was that teardrop that Tom threw in there to Gronk. And by the way, it was like vintage Tom to Gronk. He looked a lot better running this week. He got more touches. Arian says he's getting into shape again. Uh, he threw that teardrop in there between three dudes on the right sideline. And it was at that point that I realized, holy shit. Like, they look like a machine right now. It's a far cry from last week. Brady's answering the critics. They're not committing penalties. Him and Gronk, it looks like it's 2013. Um, And I realized that he probably spent much of his day in the training room, as an older player would, getting there early, watching the TVs around the locker room and watching uh, the TVs you know, outside the training room. A lot of times we'd slide into side offices to watch a game while we're taping up and that sort of thing, like something to get your mind off everything going on in your universe, which some people might say, you need to focus on your game. Guys watch games passively in locker rooms around the league. Not New England, by the way. No TVs there, different. Mm-hmm. Um, but was it the TVs or was it Tom? That's what everybody's wondering. Was it Bill? Is it TVs? Is it Tom? I say that to say, I'm pretty sure Tom was watching the New England game, at least had one eye on it yesterday as they couldn't get it going offensively and dropped a really disappointing game in Denver. And I'm just saying to myself, this is, for all the bad days Tom's had lately, this was Tom's good day. And you'd rather have it week five than week one or week five then in Chicago on a Thursday night, this was the showdown. You lost Nick Foles last week, a bunch of penalties. It looks like uh, maybe the chemistry's fractured if you ask people, because I've never seen a player get yelled at on the sideline before. Some of the media members that are looking for like first take style layups. What about Tom? Well, I think Jensen had it under control this week, didn't he? It looks like he got the message and um, they roll. I mean, the touchdown to Johnson, 21-10 is what it made it. Um, buying time in the pocket, climbing. That's like vintage Tom in the red zone. The Gronk touchdown for the jugular before the half, 28-10. And you could tell they were going for the kill. I mean, this is like Tom takes things personally. That was a beautiful ball. And uh, the only thing that looked different about Brady yesterday was the shotgun stance, if you heard Aikman talking mm-hmm. about that. Yep. Feet were to uh, were together. Some people were speculating that Aikman was trying to throw um, Jensen right under the bus throughout the game, but it's just reality. If you're worried about bad snaps, if you're worried about penalties and that sort of thing, like yeah, Brian's going to be on the hot seat for a little bit here. Uh, but I think it's for the better. We heard Sanchez last week on the pod talking about Squanch, Squanch, our guy Squanch, talking about when he was a quarterback. Sometimes you picked a guy, you said, "I'm going to yell at you," and I got to hold you to a different standard. I'm yelling at you so I don't have to yell at all the other guys who might not have the same job security. And that could be a center. It could be a leader on the offensive line. And maybe Tom sees Jensen as the the kind of the glue guy. You know, Worfs is too young. Uh, Donovan's kind of maybe not 
maybe not the leader. A lot of times it's the center. I mean, that's the way it is on the teams I've been on. And uh, yeah. So one week after losing to Foles, he outduels Rodgers in a big way. And obviously, to be fair, Rodgers had a lot less weaponry than, than Tom on the field and lost Bakhtiari at one point, which is a big deal, worth monitoring. Don't know if we have anything on that. Um, Rodgers had a little taste of what Wentz deals with on a regular basis. Now, Rodgers is a better player. I'm not equating the two, but it can. you're not going to get away with that kind of starting 11 every week. You're not going to get away with that every week, especially when you're playing a defense like the Bucs. Um, so for, for the Bucs, it was about, we're rounding into form here. And for Tom, it was about, this was personal. I don't dislike Aaron, but I'm tired of hearing about him. That's what I think. And I'm tired of hearing about Nick beat me twice now. I got one shot so that fans and the media around the country don't hit the panic button on me. Uh, and that's not the reason he went out there and balled. He wants a win, but that stuff's relevant. Now, why this game is really relevant for Green Bay is you can say it's one game that they got physically manhandled, especially defensively here. I'm not worried about Aaron Rodgers. Same thing, same reason I did not trust the Packers last year showed up in this game. They got bullied a little bit, and it felt like at times late in the game, they had had enough. Aikman pointed it out on that uh, on that touchdown. And I got to look closer at the at the film to make sure the effort was there because I don't like questioning effort unless I'm sure. But there were whispers, and you know I remember to start the fourth quarter. Ronald Jones gets the ball uh, after another really bad three and out for Green Bay. Runs for 14 yards into Packers territory through like three bodies, and you're just like, yeah, this thing is like white flag. So for Green Bay, that's my concern. It's not just one game. There were a number of these games last year, and there's a track record. There's a reputation being built up on the defensive side of the football. Um, you know, People had issues with the three-man rush that I mentioned earlier that Brady found a window to step up and, uh, and, and, and hit the receiver in the end zone to make it 21-10. People were like, ah, Mike Pettin's an idiot. Some of the Packers fans that were tweeting at me, he's an idiot. Rushing three is so stupid. Teams rush three in the red zone every now and again. I don't know if it's advisable, but what's not advisable is running past the quarterback. It's little things like that. It's not just the physicality, but it's the discipline of being at 10 yards in the red zone when you're rushing three. Tom's able to easily stack you. He could bake a cake back there. He's comfortable. He finds a, he finds a receiver for, for, for a touchdown, and it's little things like that. It's just not getting run over. It's little stuff like that. Tom went 12 of 16 for 102 in a touchdown when the Packers sent four or fewer. Yeah. So maybe next time something to look at for them. Also, the consideration for Green Bay besides the defense scaring me uh, and the physicality scaring me is everybody likes an angry Aaron Rodgers. There's a difference between an angry Aaron Rodgers and a frustrated Aaron Rodgers. And he was frustrated. Like that was a frustrated Aaron Sue plays like my four-year-old plays with smaller children. Like, and it's fun to watch. Watching that sack, it was like he didn't even try to wrap him up. He just was like bowling ball. And he was hyped. This guy has stuck around the league at different times. He's kind of mailed it in. The chips are the chips are up again. And this is a guy who's going to help them down the stretch. Listen, I mentioned Bakhtiari. That's, that's one to monitor 
because in the second half, he's just getting smoked. And Devin White nearly killed him. And at one point, he's getting up just shaking his head, Aaron Rodgers. And he's saying to himself, like, is this how it's going to be the rest of the year? That's how I read it. And why are the O-linemen letting Aaron and Sue draw at each other? Why aren't the O-linemen, I was talking about this with my dad last night. Why aren't the O-linemen getting in the middle of it? Why does Aaron have to talk shit to Sue? I know that like Aaron likes to talk shit sometimes, but that said something to me. And I think uh, the next possession after Bakhtiari's injury, uh, the backup got beat bad by, by Levante knifing underneath in the run game, TFL, negative play on a the screen, then Rodgers scrambles for a short, uh, short gain, and they got a punt. It's 38-10 at this point. The game's over. And you know what was really, really a standout moment from that three and out? It was Aaron Jones after that second down play, the screen that went for a negative, mushing Devin White. Really should have been a penalty. I don't know how they missed it. Um, What does mush mean? Like pushed him in the face. Not a punch, but like a mush. Like pushed him in the face. The whole team was mad. The whole team was frustrated. And uh, and then after that play, you, you got the, the Rojo run for 14 where it became apparent to me that this team might have, I don't want to say given up, but they were broken. You mentioned New England. Do you think Tom plays, I don't know, better, sharper, if he has an eye on Denver 18, New England 12, or New England 45, Denver 12. You know what? I think that might be a blood in the water situation where it's like, oh, I can really go out and make a statement today. I think he's playing how he's going to play. I think there's all these conversations about motivation and inherent motivation, that sort of thing. Like Tom's plenty motivated every week, but a mere mortal like me, I might feel like I'm playing with house money out there on the field if I see a result like that up north. Ross Tucker had a, um, a tweet about you know, imagine if people called Aaron Rodgers washed after that pick six. I don't see the the unfairness when it comes to a 43-year-old guy who's not a big arm, wow, you physical attribute dude anymore, uh, being questioned after he throws pick sixes for a number of weeks. Like, I have maintained that this is Tom working the kinks out for sure, um, but he is older. And like older people... When they start doing like really old people stuff, if you're 104 and you get like a, I don't know how hospice works, kind of a dark turn, but like when you, when old people stuff happens to you, people assume you might be on the way out. Aaron Rodgers is throwing the ball around like a fucking jugs machine this year. So no, Ross, a pick six is not going to lead to speculation about Rodgers' decline. By the way, the Tom pick sixes are, you know, part of a pattern lately uh and didn't people call Aaron washed the last couple years like at different moments for sure I don't love yeah I mean they actually drafted a guy to replace him so we talked about Brady getting the monkey off his back uh for sure that was huge and it was a big win for the Bucks but Kyle Brandt made a good point this morning and I saw it last night Uh, I you know plenty of people saw it he didn't shake hands with Nick 10, 11 days ago. Uh, he promptly ran right out of the, the right off the sideline to, to shake hands with with Aaron. And I get it. Like I could easily criticize Tom, and then Tom might say, "Well, I'm doing what people asked me to do, and now I'm getting criticized." That would be fair if it weren't for, as Kyle pointed out, Week One handshake, Drew Brees after loss, uh, and then 
the handshake yesterday. And he makes a great point as well about Justin Herbert. If you were to say, listen, maybe he's only shaking other goats' hands. He ran right out and Mm. shook uh, Justin Herbert's hand. What is it about Nick Foles? And I think it's true. I don't give a shit about handshakes after the game. Like, I really don't. And it's amazing to me, actually, the what about the handshake crowd is also the participation trophy crowd, I feel like. The Venn diagram is a circle there. Um, Both can't make sense here. I don't care much about shaking hands, but when you see the inconsistency, it's fair to ask questions. Derek Carr up next for Tom's handshake or non-handshake. Yeah, we'll see. Sunday night. Handshake watch. Week six of football is in the books, and now it's time to review the tape and get ready for week seven. There's no better place to get in on all the action than with DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. To add to the excitement of week seven, DraftKings Sportsbook is bringing back their can't-miss offer. If you haven't tried DraftKings Sportsbook yet, head to the App Store now because you don't want to miss this. DraftKings Sportsbook is giving all new users the chance to receive a sign-up bonus up to $1,000. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code GREENLIGHT when you sign up and get up to $1,000. That's code GREENLIGHT to get a sign-up bonus of up to $1,000 for a limited time only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. Bonus comprised of first deposit bonus and first bet match each up to $500. Deposit bonus requires 25 times playthrough. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Uh, now, New England, I'm not going to overreact to that. Uh, they took away two weeks of prep for them, essentially. Like, it's been totally disjointed since the outbreak. Long trip. Denver's better than people think. Drew Locke was back. And Cam, um, you know, in a newer system with a coach and a program that's, you know, the strength is prep, practice. You take that away, that's the Patriots' biggest advantage. It's not like they're the teams of old that are pretty talented and that sort of thing. Like there are a lot of holes in those rosters. So if they're not prepared and they don't have time to rep things, you're going to have some up and down games. Is the coaching staff not more prepared? Just crunching film? They may be, but reps, getting players on the field to run through things, time in meetings, not being on Zoom doing meetings. You know, the facility was shut down off and on. The game was in question. It's the same way. It's funny. A week ago, uh, we are wondering if the Chiefs actually suck because they almost got beat by Brian Hoyer. I don't think so. I also don't think the Patriots suck because they got beat uh, by the Broncos and Drew Locke. Both situations are totally out of an NFL player's wheelhouse from a prep standpoint. I know that the Chiefs weren't in the same situation that the Patriots are in, but the uncertainty really does weigh on players. What about the Titans? I know it took them a while, and I know they have the same system as last year, but they put up 42 points after well, 42 you, in back-to-back weeks after yeah, a lot of shutting down. They're kind of a loose team, and I think they, they, they leaned into that situation. Where New England, it's like everything's about prep, practice, meetings, and being really type A and really studious and really – regimented and all all NFL players are creatures of habit. It also could have been a bad matchup. They might have kicked the Bills ass uh no matter what. Yeah, I'm just not worried about the Patriots losing uh losing a game like that that was pretty up in the air and uh, against a team that people probably sleep on, but Drew Locks back and we talked about the prep. 
from the biggest game of the week, and of course, I'm talking about Green Bay, Tampa Bay, the Battle of the Bays, you have emerging from its shadow the Jets-Dolphins game, which is the loneliest game on earth. We talked about the Washington football team in Arizona playing in a bad spot earlier in the season, I think. This game was the personification of if that Will Forte show, Last Man on Earth or whatever it is, Last Man Standing. Steve Brule? No, it's about being alone, isolation. Mm-hmm. Shout out to Steve Brule. Dr. Steve Brule, did you, did you, you like the two minutes you watched before you left the house the other night? Nah, it was like 30 seconds. I mean, no, no, I didn't. Give it time. Um, this was the personification of that Wolf, Will Forte show. Like, this game was so alone. It was so lonely. By the way, Will Forte once left me a voicemail. I'll, I'll tell that story another day. I would love another voicemail. I lost it. It was a couple, it was a couple phones ago, and uh, I coveted it, and uh, it was gone. I'm a big MacGruber fan. Uh, mutual friend got him to leave me a voicemail. Lost it. So, Will, um, maybe you could call into the show or something. Will's, we'll, Will's 50. In the years old. I would have said that was about right. Okay. Yeah. Uh, the only other game on TV yesterday at that, that point, because there was the nine game to two game split, which mm. Fox doesn't want any part of the networks don't want any part of reshuffling that schedule. Cause if you're Fox, why would you want to share the, the time with more of those garbage one o'clock games? Like you want Tampa, you want the battle of the bays. Sounds like you have some inside knowledge on that. Well, subject. I think it's just the way TV goes, you know, we're in the biz. I, I almost felt bad for the jets yesterday. Um, I do feel bad for a lot of their players. At the same time this game is going on, the coach that you fired to hire, Adam Gase, is putting on a clinic defensively down in, in, in the Bay. And uh, up, up, up in the, yeah, up whatever. In the bay. Yeah. Miami's down there at the bottom. The Bay is, is up. The game was in, in, but I'm thinking New York. Yeah, mm-hmm. geography's not the strong suit this morning. Roxanne. Oh, fuck. What? We'll leave it in. <laughs> okay, nice. <laughs> Just wanted to hear you say fuck, I guess. Um, Frank Gore doesn't deserve this, you know? By the way, Brian Flores had to tackle Frank Gore in college. That was a factoid yesterday. That's a good one. Unbelievable. Uh, I think Gore is going to play till he's 105, and I think the Jets might ruin us being able to see that because playing on a football team like this, trust me, sucks the life out of even the most football-minded dudes. Uh, like, they're going to mess up our chance at a modern-day Ken Griffey thing. And as of 2.11 p.m., Adam Gay still employed. Yeah, he's still employed. Is the play um, just to go 0-16? I don't know. That's what, that's what Bill Barnwell thinks, that maybe the play is to just keep this, this ship moving in the right direction. Um, and... By the way, on Frank Gore thing, I do want to change our St. Louis Memorial Award, which is about playing in. It's an award about playing in obscurity. I'm, I'm, I'm. It's official. I'm changing the name of that that award to the Frank Gore Love of the Game Award, sponsored by Tordal. Nice. That'll be later in the show. I'm just going to sub out St. Louis. So here's a memorial to the St. Louis Memorial Award. It's no more Frank Gore is playing in the most inopportune circumstances at an age that's unthinkable at his position. It is amazing to me that he keeps going. That guy loves football more than anybody. He should get in the Hall of Fame and he should have his own fucking wing. 
Five foot nine, two twelve, thirty-seven years old. Miami running back. Miami fuck 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 fuck. <laughs> My favorite thing about that game though is Damian Woody live tweeting Jets games. Like it's such a factor of sadness. I mean, consider watching that game closely enough to digest it. And then consider tweeting about it. Mm. To whom, Damien? What? Who are you tweeting at? Like, people on the timeline are like, there's another football game going on? Context, please. I hope you use the hashtag so people know what you're talking about. Because nobody was watching that game. Um, I had it on my small TV to see if it's... Fitz magic would come through for in, in fantasy. Uh, I mean, Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, other TV, Damian Woody is a good person. That's how I know he's a good person. That's how I know he's trustworthy because he's watching his team in that four o'clock spot and firing off tweets into the abyss. And he likened the jets to Newports, which are cigarettes because they stay getting smoked. That's what he said. I think that's unfair to Newports. Newports are really smooth. Really smooth. I think the Jets are more like Marlboro Reds. They're the harshest SIGs. They were the first SIGs I ever got my hand, hands on when I was like a teen. Um, really harsh. Harsh on your lungs. That's what the Jets are. They're not Newports. I was like trying to visualize uh, Damien fumbling for his phone to capture this stat. And this is the stat of the day. Um, Adam Gase, total offense. As a Bears coordinator, 21st. As a Miami head coach, 24th. Then 25th. Then 31st. And then last year, they're last in the league. There's 32 teams. The trend hits a fucking wall. There's literally nowhere you can go from here. To be fair, he's currently 31st this year. Things could get worse. I think they're going seventh circle of hell. Like, there's just no way. There's no way. There's Who's worse? Somebody, I'm looking at the graphic. It's inevitable that the, he's not going to break the trend. What if he breaks the trend and goes 31 this year and uh, the Johnson family is like, nah, keeping him around, trending up. Well, then the next year he he could go 25. We could have a palindrome situation on Palindrome, nice. By the year 2025, he could be back to 21st in the league. That's what's called playing the long game. Yep. And here's the most fucked up part. Damian was on the show uh, over the, felt like the summer, fall, that kind of in-between preview area. Um, And he called this. I mean, this this exact thing about Adam Gase. I mean, it's not a hot take. Anybody could see that. I just didn't know when you're an offensive guru, if you've never had a good year offensively, I know you can put up, you know, decent numbers in Denver and Peyton Manning likes you. Guess what? Peyton Manning, I I would guess Adam Gase deferred to him a lot and that's probably a lot of the reason Peyton liked him and also they might get along. Adam Gase by all accounts is a pretty fun guy to be around and I've talked to Adam Gase. He's cool. He used to coach my brother but he's not getting it done and I feel bad I feel bad talking about like coaches getting fired and like making light of it and that sort of thing but like like there's a lot of players on that team playing in a pandemic risking their health and their bodies for that product. So eventually there has to be some accountability at the top level. Would you change your take if I told you that the Jets are up to number 30 in total offense after Sunday? 
not compelling enough. But there is the long play we discussed. Maybe, maybe the palindrome sin thing is is happening a little quicker than we thought. The New York Giants and Washington football team are eight yards behind the the Jets in total offense this year. Nice. He could probably manipulate a graph and chart a lot like our president would mm. to justify something. I mean, I feel like that's one of these situations. Um, listen, Joe Flacco doesn't even deserve this. Fireman Ed doesn't deserve this. Jets fans don't deserve this. LD. Larry David doesn't deserve this. JB Smooth. JB Smooth doesn't deserve this. Here's something that I thought of. The older Johnson is the ambassador to the UK, right? Maybe Biden wins the election. Sorry we've gone political here, but it's relevant, guys. Bear with me. And it's possible. He's on the ballot. Biden wins the election. (laughs) And Buddy gets pulled from his, his job as ambassador to the UK, returns to Jets football operations in the forefront, says, what the fuck are we doing here? Axes Adam Gase. So if you're a Jets fan and a Trump voter... I feel sorry for you, but there's hope. You just have to vote for Biden. If you vote for Biden, older Johnson returns to East Rutherford or wherever the fuck their facility is now. Is that where it is? Yeah. And acts as Adam Gase. Because that's the only thing I can, I can think of is that just older Johnson's not paying attention. Older, no, I can't. I can't. Bigger Johnson. He's, the, he's the one with the bigger wallet. I have a good one too. I'll, I'll tell you, I can't do it. Well, that's bad if you can't do it. Um, so I, I just think and another thing to think about and weigh as you're making decision is teams are one and zero after coaches get fired. So to Bill Barnwell's point, maybe you should hold this firing because you you can't afford a win right now. Um, and it's a toxic situation. You can see it with him and Greg getting into it. You know, I've seen this before. Pressure burst pipes. And, uh, and that's what seems to be happening inside that building. Here's the deal. When we saw Ryan Tannehill thriving, like if you look at him on paper the last year and a half, he looks like a top five quarterback. Oh my gosh. If you just read the stats. Stunning. I mean, on the field, he's pretty damn good too, okay? I just think we have this block as football fans, and there's a number of players that are the victims of this. Early in their career, the first act wasn't good, so it's just stuck in our head that they can't be elite. Well, Tannehill's elite by any measure the last year and a half, and like I said, the numbers say he's top five. The delta between his play in Miami and in Tennessee is really Sam Darnold's best friend, in my opinion. It's, it's, it's his get-out-of-jail card. And I think what, what Derrick Henry is to Ryan Tannehill positively, because I am acknowledging that, uh, we're talking about Arthur Smith a lot, as a head coaching candidate, you also need to be careful, uh, proceed with caution because of the 250 pound, six foot seven running back that's just running through motherfuckers' faces on the reg. The effect that Derrick Henry has on Tannehill positively, I'd say that's like a quarter of what Gase is to Darnold negatively. I really do believe that. And I'm not saying that Darnold is gonna be a great player, but don't tell me we we can properly evaluate him right now. Um, if you're a team like the Colts, which the rumor mill has churned up, 
maybe looking hard at Sam Darnold, they're going to be in a position where, in my opinion, this is one of the weirdest positions in sports. You 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 take a quarterback on kind of a one year, it works out, but not that well, and you're kind of middling, and you got a young roster, the window's open, but you got to look again, and you don't have anybody at the top of the draft. If you're the Colts, are you looking at Sam Darnold? <clears throat> yeah, sure. Why not? I think well, there are proposed trades. There's a ton of trades floating out out there, and we can get some later in the week. I I, I think that this one, I think that this one is uh, is one I would make if I were the Colts, depending on the price. It's not too steep. I like it because you got to think about their core. The entire core is young. If you hit on Sam Darnold, you've got Buckner, you got the young running back, the the young wideout, um, you've got the young guard. All you've got Darius Leonard. All your best players are young. And if you add a young quarterback to that to that group, it just feels like everybody grows together and you'd be pairing him with one of the best offensive minds in the game and Frank Reich. I like the move a lot. So I don't judge, you know, Sam Darnold in this situation. Um, again, just a reminder, Joe Flacco took a twenty nine yard sack in the red zone to ensure the shutout. Twenty eight. Okay. Twenty nine would have been the record. I'd hate to go over on that. Twenty eight. <laughs> Listen, Flacco is elusive. Is working for the Jets, and he's working for the Jets. Like the, he's working, and I got he's you. working. And I would imagine that meeting after the game, they're like, "Listen, man, like we said, you just had to lose. You didn't have to like get a shutout. Uh, that's that's too hard of a sell. If you're Joe Flacco, tone it down a little bit. It's called overacting. It's called overacting." Um, they have the Bills, Chiefs, Pats, Chargers, Dolphins, Raiders, Hawks, Rams, Browns, and Pats left. And it's got to leave Jets fans to wonder, is this the lowest point in team history? Or the highest. Man, I'm telling you, that quarterback in Clemson's really good. He's going to be good. 0-16, 1-15, 2-14. This is one of the years to do it. Pandemic season, asterisks all over the place. Yeah, this is the year to do it. It's almost like people are going to forget it happened. Speaking of, my uh, my playoff Cleveland Browns. Yep, yep, yep. Might want to forget 38 <clears throat> to 7 in Pittsburgh on Sunday. They might. Um, and I, I guess when I was watching the, the, the side TV, by this time they had been relegated to the side TV. The money was in... You know, the hay was in the barn. The money was in the account, essentially, at this point. And side upper or side lower? Side upper. Okay. Um, I saw Case Keenum trot out on the field, and I was wondering if it was health or if it was, you know. It's the Jimmy G uh, playbook blueprint. Yeah, well, I mean, that worked out for the Niners, but uh, beware a little bit of... Uh-oh. Yeah, just beware of Case Keenum coming in and managing the game and being able to make throws from in the pocket as well as outside the pocket. We've talked a lot about Baker struggling from inside the pocket. We know he was hurt this weekend. We also know that the Steelers smell blood. Like that's what that defense was playing like. Blood in the water. Bud Dupree, TJ Watt, Hayward, to it. They lost Devin Bush, which is a big deal. I worry about that. Um but you had a Minka Fitzpatrick sighting. People were freaking out. He was a victim of his own success last year with the pick six. Uh, terrible throw. Terrible throw by Baker. And 
you know, this is one of those games where I'm reading and hearing that Baker's ribs are as bad as they are. I, if I learned in the broadcast that Baker Mayfield is a side sleeper, what do you think the Steelers know about his ribs? Like, that's how much this is being talked about. I don't know how it got to be such a big talking point this week, but the Steelers know that too. And you can play good, clean football and try to crack somebody's ribs. It's just one of those injuries. That's the breadbasket. The strike zone is you can only try to murder some somebody's strike zone. Um, I mean, the, the, the window is only so big. And when it's in the, the strike zone, I think it's okay to say, we're going after this cat's midsection. Have you ever- Fairly between the whistles, two steps, and they did. Bud Dupree stood him up on one play, and Hayward finished him, and it looked like he was down for the count. Have you ever worn a flak jacket? I never wore a flat ja- flak jacket. I, I thought it would. I already looked like I have a flak jacket on uh, as a white male with love handles on the field. Like, have you ever just put one on? Nah, nah. Makes two of us. Yeah, no. Nah, I don't plan on wearing one either. I don't plan on breaking any more ribs in my life. Uh, and by the way, on the defense, although Tony Romo thought T.J. Watt made like every play, like the dogs are all over the field for this group. They're really good. Uh, and again, Baker with another poor performance of the Browns with another poor, poor performance against their big test in division. Like, again, this is a team, and we called it last week, good, not great. And they're not a joke anymore, but until they beat teams in their division or at the top of the, the, the standings in the NFL, we can't do the Browns to the Super Bowl this year, question mark, headlines anymore. We can't do it. I'm not doing it. I'm not playing into it. I'm not going to spend much more time talking about the Browns than what we already have here because it would be unfair to the other teams. The Jets at least are a dumpster fire that is entertaining. The Browns are a good team that plays way down sometimes. Browns should be favored in five of their next five. So they're currently four and two. Maybe we can revisit if they're eight and three or nine and two here in a month. If they're eight and three and nine and two in a month, they're still going to have to beat the good teams in the playoffs. So again, good team, maybe a playoff team. Monitor the quarterback situation. You know the Tyrod situation in L.A. I know it's totally different. It's kind of the opposite. Your high draft pick is playing and gets hurt in Cleveland rather than vice versa in L.A. But the deal is, and we saw this with, uh, with, with Haskins in Washington, when you're not the front office's guy and you're not the coach's guy, you're in trouble, or at least you're in the crosshairs. And I'm not saying it would be the right move, but what I'm saying is if Case Keenum comes in the next couple weeks, and if this rip thing lingers, you never know what happens. This is the NFL. Kevin Stefanski didn't draft him. Uh, Barry didn't draft him. You got a new GM. You got a new coach. I'm just saying keep an eye on it. I'm not saying they're going to take his job, and I know some people are going to you know, digest this as, as this being the take, but I'm saying monitor it. At Bengals next week, look out. Also, Odell leadership on the sideline, uh, and they painted it as such. That was wonderful to see. Here's my thing on the Odell thing. Odell, from everything I hear, is a great teammate. Every time I've ever been around him, I really like him, and he's a great football player, and he's probably assumed a, a leadership role in that locker room. But he has also violently attacked Annette, gotten in some fights on the field and like this shit happens. This is, I've shown emotion. I've punched inanimate, inanimate objects uh, in the locker room. I've thrown things on the sideline. Like 
shit happens. And I am all for the double standard tweets with Odell to point out that he is unfairly painted and, and New York media was really unfair to him. But Tom Brady catching a stray in that whole thing is the dumbest fucking thing ever. And it was like a layup last week. Every blue check account was, oh, well, Tom just yelled at Ryan Johnson and his leadership, but when Odell attacks Annette, I'm like, this is a dumb tweet, man. How about like pick somebody who's not a goat uh, to use as the second le leg of your very trendy little 240 characters? Like Jordan got the pass. We watched the last dance all summer. Eight to 10 hours on loop of him calling Scotty Barella a bitch. And we were all like, oh, look at the leadership. That's what LeBron doesn't do. LeBron needs to call his teammates bitches more and like fight guys in practice. Then Tom Brady yells at a guy, and the only two instances we can compare are Ryan Jensen and, you know, Odell's outburst that he's had time to time. Odell is a good teammate, uh, a good football player, probably a good leader. He's a great football player. But that was just, it was just, it just seemed dumb to me to, to make Brady the, uh, the punchline of, of that really tired joke last week. Um, best defense in the league? What do you think? Do you Pittsburgh think, Steelers. You think it's Steelers, I agree. Some people were saying the Bears are the best defense in the, in the league, and I, I actually, I think it's compelling. Uh, again, after yesterday, listen, Bridgewater's day was rough. Um, started with a pick, his first pass, I believe, and finished with a, with a game ceiling interception as well. And the first one puts the game in a bind for them. You're not going to play the Bears this year and, and, and hope to, you got to be in phase against those guys or you have to have a lead. Down seven, nothing immediately is not how you want to play against them. It led to the Comet. Cole Komet saw him play live at Notre Dame Stadium. Touchdown. Claypool, too. Teddy had season lows across the board, even yards per attempt. Okay, and that's bad because he was at the bottom when it comes to yards per attempt. We said it would be tough to dink and dunk, and it was. To their credit, they had 10 big plays yesterday, which wasn't bad, but the underneath stuff uh, that he's lived on really wasn't there. Um, the evidence being the highest snap to release uh, time for him all year. So like, when, when you see a guy on a new shot clock like that, that means you're doing things to take away the, the safety valves. Um, and he was six of 15 for 108 and an interception on passes of two and a half seconds or more. So I'm saying all that to say, Teddy is best on a quick shot clock, being a point guard, distributing the ball. He's not best creating and doing the longer shot clock stuff. I mean, we talked about how many backs he's hit underneath all year. Mike Davis had two receptions for three yards yesterday. Five plus and 25 plus in each of the previous four games. So he was top three in catches the last month. Yesterday wasn't there. They were missing Curtis Samuel. I hammered the Bears anyways, but once I saw Curtis Samuel was out, I was like, I'm on it all the way because he's a huge third down target for them. Samuel had a, a knee, but he was also tied for the league uh, with 11 receptions on third down. And I heavied up when I heard that. They go three of 13 on third down. Uh, even with the chunk plays I mentioned, it really dried up in the red zone for them. And that's what made the Matt Rule not not going for it on fourth and short a few a few instances really confusing to me. You can't kick field goals in that situation. You can't, especially, um, and this popped up in the Rams-Niners game, 
there's always a consideration down low when you're playing an opposing offense. If you don't get it, at least they're pinned. Seems obvious, right? But the Bears and Nick Foles are, are kind of turnover prone. And to me, I'm going for it there. It's hard enough to get down there. Uh, the Bears are good in the red zone. Take advantage of the opportunity and pin Nick Foles back if you don't get it. Interestingly, last night, uh, the interception in the end zone that Jared Goff threw on fourth down was a pick and then some because it wasn't just, you know, like a PBU, your Niners would have been pinned. But if you pick that ball off, then you get 20 yards. And in the next play or two, the field is completely flipped after a George Kittle chunk. So that's a big consideration. Uh, I would have gone for it in those two situations. To, to, to touch back. Yeah. That, that, that driving video game, Cruising USA maybe. Yeah. Checkpoint. I love that game. Touchback. I love that game. Feels like touchback could be a sounder yeah, maybe on broadcast. Sounder. Touchback. Maybe we can pull some Cruising USA sounders Checkpoint. for this pod. Yeah. Maybe every time we change segments. Ooh, that's good. That's good. We just fell into something. Don't rock sand that. And Teddy's tough day kind of culminated late when he missed um, that fourth down throw and was picked on the following possession for the seal. So the pass rush made the money in, in Chicago. Four sacks, six, six hits, 29 attempts, 12 pressures and seven hurries. Top five pressure rate on the weekend, and, and Quinn forced that last pick. Uh, Mack forced an earlier pick six that might have been, it should have been. Uh, Fuller got called for the PI, said he was there early. I don't think so. Also, a Mac sack backed up, led to good field position, uh, and that led to a key field goal that pushed it to 10 uh, to 3 rather than 7 to 3 at that point. 97 also had a sack in the red zone, which forced a 48-yard field goal. So if you add all those, all those sacks and pressures up, that's a bunch of points off the board. That's at least two scores, really, about um, for on the tab of that D-line, and they've been really good. By the way, Fuller, I mentioned earlier, getting jobbed on that call yesterday. He got jobbed a week earlier. Uh, did he get fined on that? I don't know. You saw when he blew up um, that uh, Bucks running back or receiver on the crossing route. And uh, it's just been a tough couple of weeks for, for Fuller, who's a great football player. That sequence, had that stood as a pick six, would have been the third turnover in as many plays in that game yesterday. Eddie Jackson forced fumble. Foles, bad pick, then this. Um, and I think the biggest question coming out of yesterday, a hidden question, uh, is can the Bears defense do what it's uh, what it did to Teddy Bridgewater and others to somebody like Aaron Rodgers who looked very human yesterday? That division has been one of the most like, ah, oh, fuck it, throw away the key. Like, we know what's happening in the North after a month. Like, we're just sure about it. I don't know. Are we? Yeah. You're sure? Pretty sure. What I'm curious about, though, is matchup-wise. I'm not talking about the Bears every week. How are the Bears going to match up against Aaron Rodgers this year? I look forward to it. Panthers, wear your uh, silver britches. What are you doing? Match the lid. Yeah. yeah. Silver, pretty blue, and then white. Yeah, it's Didn't tough. work. It yeah. almost was a great look. Yeah. Steelers, Browns, fabulous. Beautiful. Oh. Beautiful. Uh, awards. Let's hit them real quick before we get out of here. Best and worst plane rides. What say you? Going right back to Charlotte, North Carolina. Chicago Bears. Atop the division. Again, thinking you might have something is even better than having something. Yeah. That's what and, they say. Uh, I like Chicago, Illinois a great deal, even though it's one of very few cities that I've cried 
inside of. You've cried in Chicago? Oh yeah, I cried a lot. Hey, hey, you, you want to tell us real quick what happened? Yeah, sure. My team lost a basketball game. It was leading by 15 with nine minutes to go with a trip to the final four on the line. And my team doesn't go to final fours. And uh, you didn't cry around me though. No, you weren't there. I wasn't there that year. Yeah, con. Yeah, in the United Center, Malachi Richardson, who is never to be heard from again, went off Syracuse as a 10 seed. Oh, this is that game. Goes to the yeah. final four. And I cried. I cried. It was in New York that we blew. Uh, a yeah, very we, winnable game to the the Spartans. Right. Um, that was Magic Johnson night. That was night. when Magic, Magic Johnson, Johnson night went to the when bathroom. When you saw Magic Johnson in the urinal. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm going to go Broncos' best ride home. Uh, listen, when you live in Denver, you don't like leaving Denver. That's a beautiful place. Foxborough, listen, objectively, not so much. Objectively. I think most people wouldn't look at Foxborough and say like this is a, it's a some gorgeous country up here. Shopping malls, Cranberry Bog, Patriot Place, great football team, nice people. I live there, right behind the stadium. But it's no Denver. And to get on a plane after a big win like that, head west, picking up time. Chicago, picking up an hour, picking up a couple hours to get to Denver. I believe yeah. it's on Mountain Time, That's right? Very, very aptly. On Mountain Time, um, it's just a, it was a big win for them. It was a big win for them, and uh, and it has to feel good. I've been in this spot before. I've been on terrible teams. I've been on the Jets type teams. I've been on the Broncos type teams, and I've been on the you know take your pick the Seahawks Packers type teams. The teams in the middle sometimes can have like very naturally a lot of fun because there's no pressure on you like the the five and O teams. Everybody has written the Broncos off, right? Probably should. You know, they would have had to get off to a hot start. Although, with the playoffs the way they are this year, you never know. Drew Locke's back. Um, they feel like they're building a little bit, although I don't know if Fangio is going to see the entire build. Um, there's excitement, but there's not so much that there's people watching your every move and they're holding you to a high standard. You're also not a bad team, so you're not a joke. You're kind of in the middle. And when a, a middling team picks up a big unexpected win like this, the plane rides are really fucking fun. I've been on them. Um, the worst for me, probably the Packers. By the way, we didn't bring this up. Aaron Rodgers, as uh, they pointed out on, on the, the broadcast there, has had a tough time in Tampa. Two injuries, bunch of picks. Do you have a Tampa Bay in your personal life? Yeah, Miami. Really? Yeah. Never, never good. Never good for you. First time I ever went down to Miami, we played the Hurricanes. You were a rookie, and uh, I had a job to do with the Virginia football I was radio broadcast. You, you, you came down with us, I believe, on mm -hmm. the team charter, mm -hmm. and it was a noon kickoff, I think. Yeah. And uh, getting to the radio booth, look up at our fellows, and they start laughing at me, and I say, "What?" And they say, "You have glitter all over your face." <laughs> You and I, I guess, had found our way to the club the night before. Oh, we were in the club. And uh, it's just, it's its never a good time. We were it's in a, Mansion, I think. It's a fog for days. We were in, at one of those clubs where they just, nobody, it occurs to them to like maybe go home and sleep. Right. Well, it ended at live. Live. 6 a.m. type thing. <sighs> Heck yeah. Can't, I, I can't. And Al Groh had us at Don Shula's hotel, which was 
roughly seven hours away by taxi. No I, Uber in those days. Yeah. I am good for, and I've always been good for this, uh, surprise disappearance mm. from the bar. You, have you ever noticed that? No, I tried to do it at your, uh, at your house this weekend. You just did it. You stood up and said, I'm going to leave now. In the middle of Curb, we were watching Curb. I'm going to leave now. All right, good night. That was that was good by you. Thank yeah, you I'm for not, that. I don't like doing that. I hate the yeah. fucking thing where people can't leave. Right. Drives me nuts. I'll just get up and leave dinner. And everybody else can deal with the awkwardness after I leave. It's like 9.30. The check's been paid, dude. Also, if we're at a bar at 1 a.m. and I realize that I would probably rather be eating some taquitos and packing a dip or you know, home playing video games or hitting my pen in privacy, I'm going to leave. I'm going to tell maybe one person and I'm going to leave because the problem is when you tell people at the bar that you're leaving, everybody tries to convince you to stay. It's loud. You can't, you know, you don't speak well at that, in that juncture in the night. Uh, I am good for a, I'm getting the fuck out of here. I was feeling no announcement LD level anxiety, trying to figure out how to get out of your living room on Saturday night. Man, all you had to say was what you said. Yeah. I kinda, Let's make a pack right here. To it, be fair. Mm. And I'm, going to sign this pact that you propose I, I think i had i had tried to get out but we pressured you. a time or two before and it was not one curb yeah and then we couldn't find the perfect curb right uh right yeah worst plane ride the packers leaving um aaron Rodgers' version of your miami uh tampa bay viewing party i'm gonna i don't have a lot of awards today but i'm gonna go with miami the dolphins who are like killing it this year on the low point differential i think i read that they're in the plus by a relatively large margin here and 47 yeah brian fucking flores only team in the afc east and the green they're the i love them i love b flow i'm pulling for them i'm excited for them and uh they're watching houston continue to lose games and drive the value of those two picks they landed from them up 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 and away early picks too i'll go viewing party seattle seahawks they look at some uh number one seed competition green bay lose their first game they see the la rams yeah. take their second loss in the division sure. arizona cardinals have a game monday night against dallas and uh seattle gets to sit back get healthy Five and zero, oh. and Jamal Adams is ecstatic. Oh yeah, um, Jamal Adams is sitting at home, like super excited to to see what's going on in New York. It's one of those spots that I'm sure, like, there's a consideration where he definitely wants to root against the organization because he wanted out. Um, whether that was wrong or right or like whatever, damn the implications of a player forcing his way out. Again, if a player doesn't want to be there, you should always just be like, well. See you later, because isn't the uh, the old cliche that you got to want to be here to win? Um, I think it's a fine line you walk between rooting against the organization and rooting against your, your former teammates, because uh, I, it has to be a consideration if you're Jamal. St. Louis Memorial, nope. The Frank Gore Love of the Game Award sponsored by Toradol. Formerly the St. Louis Memorial Award. Yeah. In honor of Frank Gore playing for the Jets this year, I gotta, I, we gotta shout him out in perpetuity for that. Um, I'm gonna give it to my guy Carson Wentz. Uh, listen, hasn't played well this year for for much of the season. Hasn't taken care of the football. 
Didn't take care of the football on one play yesterday, but it wasn't in the passing game. Quarterback design run, coughed up the cookies, led to points. In a game that's like 17 to nothing at about halftime, you look at that and you're saying to yourself, gosh, we just take care of the football. It's it's a lot closer of a ball game than you think. Um, but a gutsy performance for him. And this is why I know he's from the Dakotas. I know he spends his days in a duck blind it's not your not your Philly packaged guy. You know, he's he's on the surface not a Philly guy, but he is a Philly guy in 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 his in his gutsiness. I think it's actually his grittiness. I actually think it's one of his the tr- the qualities that get him in trouble on the field. He he won't quit on plays and that leads to some ill-advised throws, some sacks. Yesterday he was not the problem. And coming off a week where they scored 30 points basically in Pittsburgh against this, th- the best defense in the league, right? With Fulgham. Could be your and boy. Ward. He could be mine. Expires at midnight. Maybe I'm playing a head game with you. And Melvin Gordon. And Melvin Gordon. Say and yes. And Melvin Gordon. Say yes right now. Say yes right now. Say yes. Say yes right now. Yes right now. His fingers are crossed. After that week where you're like, okay, I mean, he didn't play perfect. He, he made some poor throws, but the, the output is up against a very good team. The Birds scored touchdowns in the last four or six possessions yesterday against uh, another defense that's supposed to be, you know, one of the things in the NFL. He got crushed a lot. Um, a ton of his drops on side TV when I glanced over were slow motion, just like it was on loop, him just getting railroaded um and that makes sense because you're starting one out of your your five real offensive linemen that you you trotted out for for the opener um and including like brandon brooks i don't know how that factors into that statistic but brandon brooks was lost for the year before the year even started you're down to your third tackles on both sides and a fourth guard and again you're throwing to shadow men in the program it is all too familiar a spot for Carson Wentz. Uh, it's, this is one of those hang in there, buddy, awards. And continue to because news just came down that Zach Ertz will miss three to four weeks and Miles Sanders is likely out against the Giants on Thursday. First off, I'm really worried about my friend. High ankle for Zach. And those are a motherfucker. Also, I propose a trade. Okay. Zach Ertz had one of his best days of the year last yesterday. Okay. I'll take anybody <laughs> on your team. Okay. I just noticed that Fulgham. Fuck, man. Zach's hurt. Has 23 targets the last two weeks. I might want to hold on to Travis Fulgham. Yeah, it's fine. I don't want him anyways. I'll take Ertz off your hands for uh, Jason Sanders. No, nah, I'm going to. I'll be proposing hand. this trade. Listen. This sucks, man. It sucks. Like being on a football team that's bad, and they are bad. Uh, that doesn't mean they're not they're not gutsy. It's so funny that all the fans always go straight to has this team given up and that that sort of thing. No, they're just not. The roster's not very good, and people are hurt. Um, and if you look at the pressure, the duress numbers, he was under pressure on forty seven percent of dropbacks. That's the third straight week. Um, that he was over 40% in that category. That's the first time since that stat actually started getting tracked in 2009 that an Eagles quarterback is under so much pressure. So I just, for Eagles fans, I know it's not easy to say this, 
and I have been hard on Carson this year. You're listening like, oh, he fucking, he's, he's a Carson apologist. No, I was hard on Carson this year. Called it like I saw it last year when he was playing better and you, you gave him credit for. And this year he's played bad. But yesterday he was not the problem. And if they can start to get healthy as you give me that news, uh, maybe some confidence can be restored uh, and Carson go on a little bit of a run. That's going to be encouraging tracking into late this year and next year. Um, the slow starts are killing them, though. Big old game Monday night. Cowboys win. They get to 3-3, three and three, which feels like they're mm-hmm. just zooming away from the, last, from the rest of the division. They lose their 2-4. and four. Philly's still 1-4-1. and one. Giants, Washington, still alive at 1-5. and five. Like, just, like, still alive... Not like very alive. Just hanging on. Nah, like we're good. If if Dallas loses and goes to two and four, they're a game out. Game ball. Uh, do you have one? I do. His name's Phil Rivers. He was left for dead in the first half. People have already been calling for Jacoby Brissett. And he engineers a 21-point comeback, throws three tuds, 371 yards, Colts go to four and two with a great O-line as discussed. Great defense. They have something. Bengals are just going to be a trap for everybody this year. Yeah, and, uh, they were a trap for me taking the win total over. They have now squandered a 20-something point lead. They've lost basically an overtime game. They've lost another close game to the Eagles. I mean, I could be sitting pretty now. I'm going to call them full rivers. It doesn't really make sense, and I haven't fleshed it out, but instead of Phil Rivers, I'm going to call him Full Rivers. Okay. Now. Because your heart is full making this this game ball pick. Yeah, eyes clear. Full Philip 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 Rivers with, with football game wins. Yeah, for sure. That's what he's doing. So you got Philip Rivers, Philip Rivers. Game ball. I got Todd Bowles. Uh, listen, your your linebackers were on fire yesterday. You got a huge win. Um, I thought that this defense was, we said it coming into the season, the strength of the team. And all we were talking about was Tom and, and that whole gang. And they have been hot and cold at times, but if you look at, you know, certain analytics, you they've been a top five defense for uh, the last 20 games or so. Um, and... They looked like it yesterday. Devin White and uh, Levante David, both very underrated, especially Levante David. I've long admired his game, and he hasn't gotten the credit he deserves. They combined for 18 tackles, four hits, two and a half sacks, five sacks uh, on the front as well, 13 quarterback hits. They scored on defense. They provided that spark. They lost Vita Vea, um, who a lot of people thought was going to be a big deal, and Aaron Jones did nothing. So Todd Bowles, while the dumpster fire rages, Sorry, in Miami, down south, and and the dumpster fire continues to rage while the Jets team plane lands, uh, and they're watching highlights of Todd Bowles' defense just wreck shop. He gets the game ball. Can I tell you who stepped in for Vita Vea? Whom? Raheem Nunez Roches. And bald, and he has a really ugly number. What is it? It's like forty-five or fifty-five. It's not forty-five, but it's it's one of those. Uh oh. What is it? 56. It's 56, which is not a D-tackle number. Okay. Yeah. But it was worn by one of us in the studio. It's also worn by LT. It was indeed. I'm No, I'm just saying, I don't know why it's, you don't like Philly. Well, I just don't... Oh, yeah, there we go. I, okay. I just don't... Here's my thing with 56, and it's the same thing with 
I don't think offensive linemen should wear 50s numbers. I think only linebackers should wear them and edge players. Now, 50 as an interior lineman has never worked out great, in my opinion. 50 for me is Michael Singletary. Yeah, but 50 should only be Michael Singletary. In fact, I don't even think it's cool when linebackers wear it anymore. Yeah. Kind of an ugly number. Yeah. My favorite number these days is 13. 13's dope. Yeah. Wanted to wear it in high school, but they wouldn't let me. You speak, well, speaking of 50s, you wore wore 55. I wore 55 in high school, but Mm. I was an N. Shout out to James Laronitis as well. Wanted to wear 13 because Alex Brown, remember the Florida defensive end? Mm-hmm. At UVA, they just give you a pro number, make you wear pro socks. That's what it was. Yeah, unless Coach Grow really likes you and you're Daryl Blackstock and you get to wear number one. Maybe you just weren't his guy. I wasn't his guy, yeah. maybe. Yep. Shout out to Coach Grow. That's my guy. Uh, all right. See you all Friday. Peace.